Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to begin in verse 12. Hebrews 12, 12, please. The title of this message is Keep Running. Keep Running. Hebrews 12, verse 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though He sought it with tears. Let's pray. Lord, again, I thank you that you are the one speaking. You will speak, Father, to your people through me. That is very humbling and amazing, and I thank you for it. And I pray that your voice now would be heard. Lord, I pray your spirit would come and settle upon us, that you would give us peace and open ears to hear and understanding of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The Boston Marathon is the oldest annual marathon in the world, and it ranks as one of the best-known road racing events. It's run typically in April. It attracts 500,000 spectators who watch about 20,000 registered participants run this marathon. And the Boston Marathon is open to runners between ages 18 and older, Anyone who can run 26 miles in about three hours. Now, the most famous part of the Boston Marathon is a place called Heartbreak Hill. It's the last of four hills in Newton. Runners climb about half a mile. Since it is located at mile 20, Heartbreak Hill is positioned at a point on the course where muscle glycogen stores are likely to be depleted and a phenomenon referred to by marathoners as hitting the wall occurs. Now, hitting the wall, described by a marathoner, is, is, is caused, as I said, by this glycogen stores depletion. So there's not enough glycogen in your muscles, in your liver. And it's manifested by sudden fatigue and loss of energy. One runner describes it this way. It's like a 400-pound bear jumping on your back in the midst of the race. Well, atop Heartbreak Hill, people gather, ringing cowbells and urging the runners on. One can see names on signs all across the crest of Commonwealth Avenue, here, there on Heartbreak Hill. Friends and relatives of the runners urging them on, saying, go, go, go. The cowbells, the signs, and the shouted encouragements all communicate the same fundamental focus of each marathoner. Just keep running. Just keep running. Candy Finch, 
of the Red Cross, who staffs the aid station at the crest of Heartbreak Hill, comments this way. We encourage them to get over the hill, and if they can't, then we're there to help them. I think they really want to get over the hill, because they know as soon as they crest Heartbreak Hill, it's all downhill to finish the Boston Marathon. But some don't get up the hill. Some don't make it. And that's the point. Today, all of us are in a race, in a marathon. It is God's race, as Jose Prado preached last week. But it is a long race. And there are times in this long race that we confront heartbreak hill. We get to the hill and we hit the wall. The glycogen stores of faith are low in our spiritual muscles. And we feel like a 400-pound bear just jumped on our back. Actually, what we feel like doing is stopping. But at that hill, there are those ringing bells. There are those shouting their encouragement. There are those raising up signs saying, Go! Just keep running. And that is God's message to us today in Hebrews 12, 12 through 17. Here it is. It's a simple message. Here's the main point of this message. Stay in the race. Stay in the race. Keep running with strong hearts on straight paths in light of serious warnings. And encourage those around you to stay in the race. Encourage them to keep running. You see, there's this corporate nature to God's call to us this morning. It's not just God's burden for us individually to stay in the race. No, it's God's burden for all of us as Palm Vista, all of us in the body of Christ, to stay in the race together. It's a call for us to help one another when we hit the wall, to help one another when the glycogen stores of faith are low in our spiritual muscles and we just want to quit. Because you see, Heartbreak Hill is painful. It's very painful. It's hard work. Notice the verse, first word in verse 12. Therefore. Therefore. This word is a, is a connective adverb. It connects verses 10 and 11 with verses 12 through 17. It connects the truths of 10 through 11 with the commands of 12 through 17. And here, here's what it's connecting. Here's the truth, guys. God's discipline, God's training at the moment is painful. Look at verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That truth is the glycogen of faith that fills my muscles with renewed strength. So when I hit the wall at heartbreak hill, I can run through the pain because there's tremendous gain at the end of the hill, at the crest of the hill. It is this truth that God is wanting us to look at as he commands us to keep running, to stay in the race. Wouldn't you like the peaceful fruit of righteousness in your life rather than the chaotic fruit of wickedness? Wouldn't you like to find true life, true glory, lasting peace that no one can take from you? Well, the way to that is to be trained 
by the discipline of God on Heartbreak Hill. And he will provide the glycogen stores of faith for your tired muscles to press through, to stay in the race. You see, that's the command of verses 12 and and 13. Look at them again. Verse 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Now, in verse 12, hands and knees in the Bible always are symbols for strength and activity. And drooping hands and drooping knees are always symbols of exhaustion and discouragement. Does that describe you this morning? Does that describe us as a church at times? We hit heartbreak hill and the hands and the knees, they're drooping. They're tired. We're exhausted. We're discouraged. In the midst of that, God comes to give his encouragement. And that's the first point. God gives us strong hearts. God encourages our hearts. You see, verses 12 and 13 are most probably quotes from the Old Testament. And verse 12 is probably a quote from Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35, verse 3. Turn there, please. Isaiah 35, 3. Isaiah 35, 3. God is speaking to his people, and he says the following. Isaiah 35, 3. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. Here's the idea. God is the one who strengthens us. God is the one who strengthens us. God strengthens our weak hearts. That's what Isaiah 35, 3 and 4 say. That's what Hebrews 12, 12 is saying in 13. The main idea is to encourage those who are wanting to quit. God is the one who encourages us. God strengthens us. And then... We strengthen one another. We strengthen one another. Look here on verse 13. And make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. The word lame there is probably, most likely, speaking about the spiritually weak. The spiritually weak. So what he's saying is this. He's saying... As God strengthens you, you turn around and strengthen those who are weak among you. There's there's this concern for the weakest members to make it in the race. Now, have you stopped serving? Have you stopped? has, has Has the Lord called you, A, to be strengthened by His might to make it up Heartbreak Hill, and then B, Is he calling you to look to your right and to your left and strengthen those around you who are weak? That's the point of verses 12 and 13. Because of the truths of verse 11, verse 12 and 13 is saying, you be strengthened by God's strength and you help those that are weak make it up heartbreak hill. 
Bottom line is this. Stay in the race with strong hearts, dear friends. And stay in the race with strong hearts on the straight paths that God has set for you. You see, to stay in the race, we have to stay on the path that the organizers of the race have set out. Now, if you're going to run the Boston Marathon, you've got to stay on the path. And that path is going to include Heartbreak Hill. You may not want to run Heartbreak Hill, but if you're going to stay in that race, the Boston Marathon, you've got to run Heartbreak Hill. Jesus is the one who has laid out the path for our race. Hebrews 12.2 says that Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. So, So to stay in the race, point two, we have to walk or run in straight paths. The paths that Jesus has set out for us. The paths that Jesus has set out for us. Look at verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We strive to follow what Christ has already given us. We run the race along the paths that Jesus has laid out for us. The peace and the holiness here are not things that we have to try to do. They are things that God has given to us through Christ. They are literally divine gifts received by faith through the gospel. Peace with everyone, that's an objective reality that Christ has won by his sacrificial death on the cross. We have peace with God because Jesus has won it. If we're going to stay in the race, God is saying, stay on that path. Strive for the peace that Christ has already won for you. So our, 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 lives, our lives are dominated by the peace that Jesus himself won for us with God. And if we're going to stay in the race, we live in peace with one another. We live in peace with one another. L- look at verse 11. What's the fruit of God's discipline? But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So strive Strive to walk in peace. The peace that Jesus already won with you, for you with God. And then live in peace with one another. Stay in the race together. And then secondly, verse 14. And the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Friends, this is a holiness that Jesus has already given us. We're running in the path that Jesus has made for us. It's not a holiness that we have to try to obtain. It's a holiness that's already been given to us. Look at chapter 10, verse 10. Look at Hebrews 10, 10. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This is a holiness that we have once and for all. We have been sanctified. It's it's an objective reality. And then look at verse 14. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's us. Single offering, Jesus, founder of the race, organizer of the marathon we're on, has said, this is the path for you, holiness, run in it, walk in it, strive for it. I've already given it to you. So to stay in the race 
means that we strive for the peace that we already have. We live in the peace we already have with God and with one another. To stay in the race means that we strive for the holiness that we already have. We, in a sense, what he's saying is, live the holy lives that you already have in Christ. Be who you are. And as you're running up Heartbreak Hill, when it's difficult to do that, look around to your right or to your left and encourage those that seem to be having a difficult time do that. Stay in the race. Keep running. These, these are two exhortations that we're to stay in the race. We're to keep running. How? We're to do it by, by, by running according to the strength that God gives us. He strengthened those drooping hands and those drooping knees. God himself is going to strengthen us. And we do it by running on the straight paths that he has made for us. The peace that Jesus has won for us with God. The holiness that Jesus has already given us. Live like who you are. Live holy lives. Because this is the race that God has called you to run. So these two exhortations form the first part of this command to stay in the race, to keep running. But then in verses 15 to 17, there are three warnings. There are three very serious warnings. So that we're to, we're to run the race, we're to, we're to stay in the race, we're to keep running because, because of these two exhortations. We're to do it with, with, with strength of heart that God gives us. We're to do it on, on straight paths that God sets out for us. And we're, do it, we're to do it in light of these three serious warnings that God gives us. Three very serious warnings that God gives us. And I want to I start with the, these words in verse 15. Before we get to the three warnings. Look at the first three words of verse 15. See to it. See to it. Those words are actually a translation of one Greek word. And that one Greek word has a range of meaning. Now, one of the meanings of that Greek word is exactly what is translated here in the ESV, see to it. But another translation for that Greek word can be to watch over. Another one can be to give careful consideration so as to guard. It has this idea of, of us paying attention to one another to make sure that we, that we are okay, that we hang in there. See, God commands us to see to it, to watch over, to give careful consideration so as to guard one another to the end that all stay in the race. We all keep running. We're all running together up Heartbreak Hill. And we must pay attention to those who are beginning to fall out. We must help them. We must watch over them so that they stay in the race of faith. And this is a call not just on the leaders or the pastors of the church, it's not just for the home group leaders, but this call is for every member. Every one of us is called to do this. We're all our brother's keepers. Here's the illustration that comes to mind for me. Uh, I attended the U.S. Army's parachute school, what is called Airborne School, back in the summer of 1977. I cannot believe it's been 34 years. And I remember the daily five-mile runs in combat boots. The runs were intended to strengthen our legs so that when we made our first jump, we could absorb the punishment of crashing into the ground at 15 miles per hour with sometimes up to 100 pounds of gear strapped to our bodies. And for some of the guys, running five miles each morning in combat boots was very, very difficult. 
We used to run in formation, 40 guys, tightly packed, running in the same cadence. And when one of the weaker guys started to lag behind, he started to hit the wall, he would fall out of formation. Now we were trained to watch over one another and care for each other and see to it that no one fell out, but that everyone stayed in the race and kept running to the end. You see, what we began together as a unit, this was drilled in our hearts, we would end together as a unit. What we did, we did together. So one of the tools that we had, and they still use today in the army, is to sing songs as we're running. They're called Jody songs, or Jody calls. And this would be one guy would be calling out the song, and then all the rest of the guys would repeat what he said. And it would kind of, and usually the songs were based around our, our mission together, what we were about to do, it would remind us of details. They would get our mind off the pain of the run, get us in step with one another. And maybe you've heard of one of these Jody calls. Maybe you've watched a war movie or you've been to a, a command post somewhere and seen a group of men running by. I mean, I've got some great memories from those Jody calls 34 years ago. I mean, running in the Georgia summer heat in formation at a crazy pace, singing these Jody songs, 40 guys running together in step, the sound of 40 sets of boots slapping on the pavement together, 40 bodies breathing together, Singing together. You know, th- there's one Jody song that I remember in particular. Probably the best one. And, and really it spoke about the planes that we would jump out of later, a couple of weeks later, what's called a C-130. And it described the process we had of getting ready to jump out of the plane. And it described the danger of perhaps your parachute not opening. And, and, and I could, I could kind of still hear this song in my mind as if it were yesterday. C-130 rolling down the strip. Airborne daddy gonna take a little trip. Stand up, hook up, shuffle to the door. Jump right out and count to four. If my main don't open wide, I got another one by my side. And if that one should fail me too, look out below, I'm coming through. <laughs> thanks, thanks to Mario and Raphael, my airborne buddies. Uh, for those of you who are guests, they're both retired army officers who have served with much distinction in the military. Uh, I'm a neophyte. I think I had eight jumps. Uh, these guys have way more jumps than I do, over, way over 45 combined. But they helped me relive the past, but most importantly, they helped me to make this point. And what is it? We saw to it that no one fell out of formation, that everyone stayed in the race and kept running to the finish. And that is what God is calling us to do as a church. In verse 15, see to it. That's a strong word. You can also say encourage, watch over, make sure, make every effort. See to it that everyone stays in the race. That's your responsibility. Not just the pastors or the home group leaders. Each one of you, you are your brother's keeper. Are you doing it? Do you care for the well-being of others? Is that on your mind? 
And, and, and if you do it, how do you do it? it, it it's a hard issue. It's definitely a hard issue. I'm just pausing for a moment. I think what God is saying to us as a church is that the responsibility for one another begins with me. I believe that's what this scripture is saying. A cross-reference for you to consider is Hebrews 10, 